Hello, and welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is a podcast of Desert Spring Church. Our podcast is meant to be a midweek refresh and deeper dive into Pastor David's sermon from the previous Sunday. We're very excited to get started. If you missed Sunday's worship and you want to check that out before engaging with the podcast, you can go to Desert Springs website at desertspringchurch.com. Our format is to read Pastor David's devotional for today and stop along the way in order to hear your stories and discuss your struggles and triumphs in our faith journeys. We would love to get your take on today's discussion. If you're watching or listening where you can leave a comment, please do so. Today's guests are Chris Devereaux, our sound engineer. Hello. Uh, Julie Hart, our connections director. Hello. And Dior DeSormo. Yes. And you don't have a title around here. You're uh, not as <laughs> she true. has a yeah. title. She, not but yet. you. <laughs> I'm a, a longtime friend of. Yeah, Desert first time Spring. caller, longtime listener, first time. <laughs> yes. Um, I am a candidate for ministry in the United Methodist Church, which is fancy church talk for someday I'll be a United Methodist pastor. That's excellent. And uh, thanks. Oh. And currently I am serving as the assistant director at Potosi Pines United Methodist Church Camp, which is just outside the Las Vegas Valley. And Desert Spring has l- had lots of involvement with camp over the years. So I'm really excited to be here with you. We love Potosi Pines. It's a big part of our culture here at Desert Spring. Okay, I am Ann Hardy, and I am the Outreach Director for Desert Spring. Um, If you watch our online service, I am your host, and I do a lot of other things around here. Just So let's get started with Pastor David's devotional. Uh, The scripture for today is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Pastor David goes on to write, Outwardly, John Wesley seemed to have it all together. He lived a very disciplined life, seeking to do God's will in everything he did. However, inwardly, it was a different story. John Wesley struggled with his faith, and more specifically, with believing that God loved him. So his outward efforts were just attempts to try and earn God's favor to earn salvation. In his journal, Wesley wrote, I have a fair summer religion. I can talk well, but in a storm, I think, what if the gospel be not true? Wesley wasn't questioning whether the gospel was true. He was questioning whether it was true for him, whether he truly did have God's favor. After Wesley's failure in Georgia, the crisis of faith came to a head and he realized he could never be holy, 
not by his own doing. Only God is holy. Wesley had been relying on his own efforts to be holy rather than on God's grace. And there's a huge difference between trying to earn love and simply responding to love. So Julie, how would you describe the difference between trying to earn love and responding to love? And when trying to earn love, when do you know if you've done enough? Uh. <laughs> Just real quickly. I, this is such a hard question. It is. Thanks, Pastor David. Well, you know, I, no secret here, have not been real lucky in love. And so this, this question kind of stabbed me a little bit because I thought about that concept of earning love, trying to earn love. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm an all-in kind of girl. And so um, to have two failed marriages and to have, you know, relationships that didn't work out, um, this is a question that I had to sit with for a while. And in fact, when I was in church this Sunday, I walked in just as he was talking about John Wesley and his little heart getting broken. And um, so I do not love this question. But that being said, I think that um, because I'm an all-in person, every time a marriage, every time, <laughs> any time a marriage or relationship ended, it usually ended way past the time it should have, should have ended long before. And it ended with me really trying to earn the love of someone who probably didn't maybe, um, I'm not saying they're not deserving of my love, but if you think that you have to earn someone's love, you are selling yourself short. And if you sell yourself short, you're ultimately selling God short. Um, but the reverse side of that is, you know, when you have kids being a mom, you know, your kids just, this in their DNA to love you. They just, you can be, <laughs> you can just get it wrong and be quirky and weird as my kids have had to deal with. And they just love you anyway. And so, that's the difference of that earning love. I've, I haven't earned my children's love. They just love me for all my quirkiness and extraness, as Louis would say. And so that's the right kind of love. So, yeah. But thank you, Pastor David, for that really terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you've never felt like you had to earn God's love. Never God's love. Never God's love. And, and I'm a people pleaser, and I always, you know, um, but, but for God's love, I think... I, I don't, I do not have that feeling. Good. No. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Dior? I think it's interesting, Julie, that you mentioned that this question makes you uncomfortable mm -hmm. because I think it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, because uh, when trying to earn love, when do you know if you've done enough? Mm -hmm. I mean, the answer is you don't mm -hmm. because you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't earn love especially God's love. Mm -hmm. And that's not what God wants for us. Right. So in the world that we live with in, in the way that we interact with one another, it is very transactional. So I give you mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. you give me goods mm -hmm. or services. And, and uh, if you give me something, I, I owe you back. You owe me a favor. It's very transactional. Mm -hmm. And so we assume that love is the same way and that our relationship with God should be transactional. Right. And it's not. So it's it's hard to get our minds around because so many of our relationships require uh, transaction. And that's mm -hmm. not what God wants for us. We don't have to earn God's love because we can't. God's love is so much bigger and greater than we could ever fathom or earn. And so God didn't set us up for failure in that way. Mm -hmm. God gave it to us freely. And what God asks for us is for us to love people. 
even though it's scary, even though we can't earn people's love, even though sometimes we get hurt, but we always have love because we always have the the love of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems to me it's a little bit diminishing of God to assume that I can persuade God to love me. So that gives, that's egotistical on my part because it gives me a lot of power. I'm going to persuade God Mm. who's now been lessened by the thought that I can persuade God to do anything. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword in a way of that. You don't have the power to earn God's love, but you don't have to. Right. It's unconditional. Amen. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I have been in the position, like you, Julie, of having to earn an earthly person's love Mm -hmm. and feeling like I had to do Mm -hmm. that. And it's absolutely exhausting. Yes. It's this endless cycle of trying to earn the approval Mm -hmm. of whomever the object is. Right. And then having to do things to earn that approval and then having to call attention to the things that you did to Mm -hmm. earn the approval. Mm. So see, I did this notice, notice Mm -hmm. that don't Mm -hmm. you like me a little bit more now, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have too been in that kind of cycle and it's Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. it's so tiring. That can be a trap in all kinds of relationships. You know, your friends, your coworkers, your whatever spouses. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And when you get in that trap, yeah. Yeah. Exit. Right. <laughs> and we feel like we so very much want to be liked and want to be loved and want to be admired. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 easy to fall into that trap of if I do this, then and, and do that transaction. Uh, that's why I like the wording in this question of how of responding mm-hmm. to love. Yes. Instead of earning love, what if we're responding totally. to love? Because it is draining to to wonder <laughs> Am I loved? Am I enough? And we don't have to do that because that is already with us. And so by responding to love, we recognize the ways in which we are already loved by God and the people in our lives. And Mm. we can be full of that love and give out of that abundance Mm -hmm. to others. So we don't fall into that draining cycle of how do you earn love? I have love. Mm -hmm. How do I let my cup overflow onto others? And focusing on the what others need in the act of loving others instead of the endless cycle of earning love. Mm-hmm. That that occurred to me as well is trying to earn approval is self-centered. Um, responding to love mm-hmm. is outwardly focused. Mm-hmm. I I respond to love in an outward focused kind of way. I try to earn affection, and that's self self-centered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. Um, John Wesley's failures meant he could no longer rely upon his attempts to live a holy life. Broken and fragile, Wesley returned home to England. Then one evening, he attended a meeting with other Christians. Wesley described what happened at the meeting in this way. I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. So Dior, when did this truth that you are accepted by love, loved by God, and you don't have to earn favor, first warm your heart? 
Another light question. (laughs) Wow. Uh, This is an interesting uh, question and a familiar story to uh, many who are familiar with the Methodist tradition. Uh, This story is often called Wesley's Aldersgate moment. And it's a, a, a story we use as a model to talk about like a call story being called to ministry and being called to serve God. So in the process of becoming a pastor, this is a story that has come up in a question I've been asked, like, here's Wesley's Aldergate conversion moment. What was yours? And for me, I feel like um, a call to love God and even like a moment of understanding God. Um, People often want like a very succinct, like succinct story, um, a very specific moment. And for me, these calls uh, and these stories happen all the time. It's not a singular moment. It's a continual recognition of the love of God in me and being able to see that and act on that. I guess the the first time uh, I recognized um, the love of God and wanting to be a part of that, um, I went on a, a mission trip one that uh, many of the the youth here have gone to uh, Sierra Service Project. Mm -hmm. And it was a significant moment for me because I was in middle school and questioning what it meant to be a Christian outside of church. I had been to church and I had helped run VBS and I had been to worship and I had been to Sunday school and all of that, but I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian outside of Sunday morning. And so going on the service project allowed me to live in Christian community for a week where we cooked together and cleaned together and built together and lived together and showed the love of God to each other in all of the ordinary moments. And that's when I realized, like, I want a relationship with God and with Jesus, and I want to live in this kind of community mm. and to have this kind of love and to give this kind of love and to pursue this. And so I don't know if that's exactly an Aldersgate moment, but that was the mm. moment I realized the importance of Christian community in my life and have been pursuing that ever since, which is part of how I got into ministry and into camping ministry where we lived together for Mm -hmm. weeks at a a time and and get to be at at camp in nature with God and with one another. And so it's, you know, one specific moment of where you see God. And yet these older gate moments can be found in all of those moments where you recognize the love of God is already with you. Wow. Wow, great. I love to hear the stories of the young people's missions and how that made a difference in your life and in your walk. And that was a that was a life-changing week for you. Yeah. Well, wow, that's really cool. How about you, Julie? You know, when I thought about this, and like I said earlier, I don't think I ever questioned um, that I had to earn God's love. I, I, I think I knew as a small child that, you know, God loved me. But I think the first time I really understood the tremendous depth of that love was on my walk to Emmaus, which is like 20 some odd years ago. And um, my walk to Emmaus was at Potosi. It was at Butte Camp. And in fact, it was the first one in the retreat center. And so it was a beautiful place. And that's a place that's very special to me. But I think that, I mean, you are just, it's just a love fest. You are just loved on and loved on and loved on. And people come there to serve and people that you see. And there's, once you've gone through it and then you you realize there's so many people that you do not see that are part of just that love of making sure that you can experience 
that agape kind of love. And it's just overwhelming to feel that much love, you know? And so I think that's, that is the first time that I was just overcome, overcome by just, wow, this is how much God loves me. And that, you know, these people, some of which I knew and many of which I I did not know, um, because of their love with God, that that, that they are coming to show love to, to me. That is humbling. And that is, um, overwhelming. And, you know, if you ever see someone come after Emmaus, like they are just on fire, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, and so you want other people to have that experience. And so I think I'm just grateful for that love and, um, for the people who, who made my walk possible, um, to really, um, really help me understand how much I'm loved because, and then I continue on in ministry. And again, like, you know, Dior is saying then, you know, loved people show love and, and to be able to have experienced the God's love in that way makes it easier for you to be able to show God's love to others. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. My walk. Yeah. And last week's um, pocket or the last time I hosted, um, I had on uh, Sarah Pays, one of our youth directors and her mother, and they both really gave testimony to how the love of other people in their life reflected Christ. And that's how they Mm -hmm. knew that Christ loved them was through Mm -hmm. the gifts and offerings of other people's times in their life. Very true. Yeah. And, and mine, mine was, is different, um, because I, um, I came to Christ when I was 10 and I was quite ill and not able to sleep at night and I had a TV in my room to keep me company um, and there there was an evangelist came on and I gave my life to Christ while watching this unknown evangelist I don't even know who it was and at that time that evening I felt that God loved me um, and I knew I remember feeling that I had fundamentally changed but nobody was gonna know it like it was a secret or something Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know I just felt like wow I'm different I wonder if anybody's going to be able to tell when I wake Mm -hmm. up in the morning you know when they next time they see me Uh, Pastor David says he remembers answering an altar call in his home church at age 16 it was that moment when he claimed the faith he had been raised in as his own and at that moment he felt love in his heart he experienced grace Of course, that's not the only time he's experienced grace. There have been many, many times when he's had his heart strangely warmed, when he was overcome with grace. Uh, He goes on to say, I remember a time during seminary when I was assisting the pastor of the church I attended with leading worship. In that church, the pastor and worship leaders processed into the sanctuary as the congregation sang the opening song. On that particular Sunday, we sang praise to the Lord Almighty. As we sang the final words to the hymn, let the amen sound from the people again, I was suddenly overcome with grace, unable to hold back the tears. Another time while listening to Reverend Sharon Ragland preach, I was overcome with an awareness of the Holy Spirit present with me in that moment. I was overcome with grace. Julie, have there been times in your life when you have been overcome with grace? Mm, yeah, I thought about this question, and 
You know, the first thing that popped into my mind is, you know, we have a tradition, at least the camps that I serve on, and that before we do the lesson time, it starts with crazy, silly songs, you know, ridiculous songs that you're singing. And then, um, then it kind of, you know, changes tone a little bit there. And the last song we sing right before the lesson is um, Sanctuary. And um, so the way we do it, Amy, when she's there, God love her, you know, she's is playing along with the guitar as, as everyone's singing. And then the last verse is just the children singing. And, you know, that's a time to pray. I use that time. I'm sure, Dior, you'd probably do the same thing before you're teaching to really pray. What is it that God that I, what is it, what, let me say what it is that these kids need to hear to say, hear, hear today. And, you know, when you just listen to the kids, and man, they're into it. Sometimes they're just really into it. And listening to them, that gets me every time, you know. Just first of all, the awesome blessing it is to be able to speak into children's lives. That's a, that's a tremendous gift. But um, so as they sing that last verse, just all of them, that grace, that, wow, thank you, God, for this opportunity. And, and please let me get this you know, let me, let me honor you and let your light shine here so that these kids will leave feeling a little closer to you. So that's one that, um, it, that just overcome, I get overcome with that. Um, also the labyrinth is a special place for me and I've watched many labyrinths, uh, but the one at Potosi, that, man, that just, that will leave me in a puddle sometimes. Uh, and maybe because that, the mountain is such a special place and so many incredible things have happened in my lives and the lives of my children and I've seen it in other children. And so sometimes just staying there in that labyrinth is just, I don't know, God is just so, I, I, I meet God on the mountain a lot. And so that's. Can you I, describe the labyrinth? I actually haven't really done the labyrinth. Maybe oh. some of our, view, our listeners haven't either. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, there are different kinds of labyrinths and it's not to be confused with the maze. If Phyllis Murray were here, she would do a much better job of this. But, you know, you walk through different sections of the labyrinth and, you know, you're walking in towards the center and there's different ways you can do it. You can take, sometimes I don't know what's, what I'm going to walk in with, but sometimes there's a particular thing that you need to leave, or maybe sometimes you need to take out with you. And I think that, that act for me of the walking while I'm praying, um, that's just something that speaks to me. And like some labyrinths will have a certain section. When you get to this section, you're focused on your family or this section is for this. And so I, I think that motion and walking through and you get to the middle and you stop and you kind of look back and then it's like, all right, God, what am I supposed to take out? I'm going to go out of this. And what is it that you want me to take away from this? And God never disappoints. I always leave with something or I leave having left something that needed I needed to not carry with me anymore. And so um, that's just powerful. It's a powerful prayer uh, practice for me. Yeah, sounds so yeah. And if you get a chance to do it at Potosi, it's totally awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was explained to me that you start on the outside yes. of a circular labyrinth. Yes. And you're working your way and centering into the heart of God as exactly. you work your way around the circle yes. and into the center. It's a recentering. Right. right. And mm -hmm. then so you're in the center. That's your most intimate time with God while you're in the center of the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And then it was described to me that as you walk your circular path away from the center, 
that that's your returning to your life and what are you taking away from the center exactly exactly and, and that's exactly it which is something like that's a week at camp right you you that's what we do at camp and then when you leave where it's like what are you taking back with you now what is it that's going down with you and so it is that um that's exactly what it is and a lot of times I have no idea what that's what that's gonna look like and I'm I'm often surprised by what that is what God is speaking to me so Thank you for elaborating on that. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> Elaborating on the labyrinth? Oh, elaboration, yeah. labyrinth. See, there's that alliteration, Chris. You know, I could work that in. <laughs> you know, your story, Julie, about the um, the kids' moments up at camp reminded me, and I had forgotten about this until you said, um, I was working, It was I did not grow up in the church, so I didn't know what Vacation Bible School was, mm-hmm. which is a, um, a program for elementary-age children. Um, and it's basic Christianity, God loves you, um, you are precious, that those types of lessons um, that these kids get. And a lot of the lessons are musical. Mm-hmm. So um, we were over in our multipurpose building here at, at Desert Spring, and there were, I don't know, a hundred or more kids. And sing, we were singing, it was our closing assembly, and they were singing the closing song. And I could not believe that these kids were singing of God's love at the top of their voices. And I turned to the leader at the time, which was Casey, and I turned to her and she turned to me and we both broke down crying Aww, at yeah, the same time. Totally, totally. <laughs> it, was a very, um, it was a very holy moment listening mm-hmm. to those kids sing the VBS closing mm-hmm. song and how into it they were. Mm-hmm. So um, Dior... Do you have any um, other times in your life when you've been overcome with, with grace, maybe to the point of tears even? I, uh, I resonate a lot with, with a lot of those experiences. Mm-hmm. I helped uh, lead music at VBS for all of middle school and high school. And to have a hundred plus elementary schoolers singing at you as you dance oh, in the center of the yeah. sanctuary about God's love for them is... Mm. an experience unlike others and those silly little songs just get trapped in your head don't I, they yeah I have VBS really songs <laughs> from a decade ago that still float around in my head and yet that is a present reminder they're often scriptures or about how god loves you and they're they're silly but there's deep truth in them mm. and so those silly songs are are the the grace of god even if it's silly songs floating mm. through my head and the first uh, story I thought of when you presented this question was what Julie brought up at first of singing at camp mm. and that very specific moment of, of being in prayer, prayer and singing mm. before a lesson time. Really? And, and Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, because I've had the honor of, of getting to play guitar with Amy. I learned how to play guitar by standing next to her and watching and listening mm. and playing. And this year uh, at camp, the theme was prayer. And so before we would sing Sanctuary, we would sing a song called, Lord, Listen to Your Children Pray. Oh, yes. And it, just to, to <laughs> listen to the, the kids ask for God's presence with us. Oh, um, those, are, and those are goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> See that? It was, yes, because they did take it very seriously. They did. And to ask for God's presence with us and then to sing Sanctuary where we ask for God to, to be in us, that we may be a sanctuary to hear where God is and to feel God's love in us and to learn in that and to share that. 
is is very much where God's grace is. And yet, like, the grace of God is in the ordinary moments. I think of all, like, the silly, normal moments at, at camp in which God's grace is full of. Um, I prayed over a banana peel this summer. I, See, feel like, I need to hear the rest of this story. Because <laughs> I feel like God I just, was yeah, there. Yeah, tell us. Tell us the story. <laughs> oh, um, so I'm at, I'm at lunch, and one of our, our I hear a counselor behind me go, well, why don't you ask a Dior? And I go, great, this could be literally anything. I have no idea what I'm about to turn around to. So I turn around and there's a group of elementary school girls. The one in the middle is holding a banana peel and they look at me. And uh, this summer, our theme beyond prayer was pirates. So the banana peels had uh, little pirate faces drawn on them. So here's this this elementary schooler holding a banana peel with a pirate face on it. And here I am. Uh, challenge to interpret what is happening. Um, <laughs> I love as, camp. Right? Look, he, we uh, try to prepare our camp counselors to be ready for anything. <laughs> and like, apparently you need to be ready for anything. That's true. Because here's these elementary schoolers with this banana peel. They're looking at me expectantly. And I go, well, did we lose uh, a sailor? <laughs> and they go, yeah. They were They were sad about the banana peel with a face on it. And while that's a silly moment, I could have dismissed. I saw the grace of God in that. And we talked about prayer and how we can come to God with anything. And while it feels silly to come to God over a banana peel, I felt in that moment that like there was true emotion in those kids and they really did need something from me. And so I prayed over the banana peel and thanked God for the banana and the face and the memory and the time uh, and that we may uh, move on now that the banana is gone with the memory and the energy and the sustenance. Um, and they prayed with me over that banana and I asked them to give him a proper burial by throwing him in the trash can so we could uh, move on from breakfast onto the, the next activity. But I could have easily just like dismissed that yeah. and been like, it's kids mm -hmm. being silly, like throw that away and let's move on. Cause right. you know, yeah, I've got right. a million other things on my mind, but I saw, I saw, a need in them and and so we prayed over that banana peel and i think if we are paying attention god is present it's like julie talks about with being present with people and that's a gift she really has and has taught me uh mm -hmm. over the years and so if we are present with people and see where they are um and where god is and wh what they need um we can turn silly moments into meaningful ones mm-hmm in that message of there's nothing too small to take to God, because I get that all the time. People say, oh, I, you know, my prayer doesn't, this is too little. That's, I don't want to bother people. Like, you you know, that's a good message to teach kids. Take it all to, take it all to God. So I love that. If I mean, if God is present in all things, mm -hmm. then we yeah. can go to God with all those things. And yeah. I think that's where God's grace is in the fact that we can be present with God mm -hmm. in all things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and working with kids is such a great ministry. And there, it seems, what I, from the stories I'm hearing, it seems that you don't know as the adult in the picture what is going to hit home for them. You know, this, this could be a really teachable moment that they came away with. And you may not understand the impact that the banana peel prayer had on those people at that time 
yeah, I I doubt that, you know, decades down the line that those kids will remember the banana peel prayer. I think I will. I don't know if they will. <laughs> they will. But what they, I think they will remember that they had camp counselors who took the time to listen to them mm-hmm. and took the time to pray with them mm-hmm. and taught them that uh, God wants to to hear all things and is truly with us and cares about us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that old saying that people don't remember your words, they remember how you made them feel. And Dior, you haven't done this long enough to have kids come to you as adults and say, that thing you did, that thing you said, how much it changed my life. And you do not remember that at all. (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm so glad. So that's God. Awesome. Awesome. So Pastor David goes on and says, as John Wesley accepted that God saves us by grace and grace alone, he was able to stop hoping to be saved. He knew he had been saved. He recorded the change this way. An assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and was, and saved me from the law of sin and death. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 in the Message Bible, we hear what Wesley meant by assurance. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. So Dior, are you confident in God's grace and God's promise of eternal life? That's such a bold proclamation. Uh, are you confident? Are you confident? Are you confident? <laughs> um, and I think it's important to recognize that I am not always confident uh, in God's grace. Um, and that's okay. Um, I remember the uh, scripture that helped me to reframe how I think about the relationship that we have with God is a, I think it's in Genesis. I believe it's Jacob is, uh, out in the wilderness at night. And it says that he wrestled with God and it's, God is depicted as like this big shadowy human like figure and the story is told as if he physically wrestled a man in the woods throughout the night. Um, and in the morning, he was he was named Israel as the one who wrestles mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that reframed how I think about um, people and our relationship with God. Because Israel is the, the land of God's chosen people. And yet it means the ones who wrestled with God. You know, our relationship with God is not meant to be that we earn God's love or that we're passive, but we are allowed to wrestle with God. Um, And I feel a a faith where you haven't questioned what you believe is not your own faith. If you haven't examined it, then Mm -hmm. how do you know it's what you believe? Um, And so I wrestle with God and I do that knowing that God's grace is there even though I don't deserve it. And so I can emerge confidently uh, in God's love and grace and uh, eternal life because I struggle and God is still there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Julie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I... I, well, first of all, today is kind of a special day. It's my stepdad, man. He's, it would have been his 92nd birthday. 
So he's really been on my heart. Um, during the final days of his life, about 12 days, I, I kept a diary of thing, the experience and things he had said and things that we had gone through. So yesterday I reread them. And um, even though I was very aware of present, God's presence and God's grace in those moments, when you go back and reread it, a li- you know, after having slept and ate a few times, you know, like, so, wow, to look at how God was in that at the end of his life. And, you know, we started that journey. He was afraid. He wasn't sure what happened next. You know, he wasn't, he knew he was dying, but then he, he, he thought that maybe that was it. And so to have been able to walk beside someone and to reassure them and then to watch them see for themselves. And um, the one day I was reading about towards the end was, you know, he just pointed up in the corner and he's like, am I just supposed to walk up those stairs? Huh? Yeah, th- that's, yeah, that's what you're going to do, man. You're going to walk up those stairs when you're ready. And um, so that really... Um, in my own faith and understanding of eternal life. He was, you know, there is that thin veil. Pastor David preaches about this often, and we spent several days on both sides of the veil, you know. Um, we were, and so to be able to witness that and watch that and for him to say the words, I just walk up those stairs there. That's, you know, and he saw stairs. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know. Now, he didn't really want to leave my mom, so it took us a minute to get him all the way up the stairs, but... Um, just that grace and it was love. And in the end, all he could talk about is love. You know, all that he was feeling is love and the people coming for him that he was talking to, there was nothing but love. And so that really, um, having walked beside him through that, the end of his life and being there, um, was, uh, something I will always cherish, but it certainly helps you in your understanding of that eternal life. When you watch someone pass from this one to the next. What a what a gift mm-hmm. he gave to you and you yeah. gave to him. Yeah, yeah. In those in those final moments, yeah, in the final days. Yeah, and great. Paul. I have the great blessing of being with, alone with my dad when he passed, mm-hmm. and um, and have very much um, not the same words, but the same sense of overwhelming amounts of love mm-hmm. in those final few breaths that he took. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, when you heard, if you heard Brenda Harley in her interview with Pastor David, when we did the Matriarchs of the Faith and she talks about, you know, the end of Patrick's life and about, he was all excited and just so this is, you know, like, so you, yeah, what a gift that was for her. And when she shares that with us, it helps us in our understanding of eternal life. Right. Too. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, I am confident in God's grace, and I'm confident in the promise of eternal life. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. What I, you know, nobody has gone and come back and told me what that, mm-hmm. what that looks like. But I know that I'll be with my loved ones. I know I'll be with Jesus, and I'm confident that God will give me grace mm-hmm. for eternity. Yeah. So it'll be good. Whatever it is is great. Mm-hmm. David says, did you notice that eternal life is written in present rather than future tense? The verse does not say one day you will have eternal life. It says you have eternal life. For Christians, eternal life with Christ has already begun and nothing can take it away from us. As you face this day with its joys and concerns, blessings and hardships, 
How does the reality that you already have eternal life impact the way you live? Wow. Julie, any thoughts on? Well, that's great news because I get it wrong a lot. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep getting it wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm not always going to love my neighbor right off the bat. I'm pretty sure I'm going to struggle forgiving some people, you know, longer than I should. I, I, I know that about me. I know I'm and, you know, when my final day comes, I, I, you know, you'd like to think you had time to reconcile everything, I, but probably not. I'm sure there'll be dangling things out there for me that um, I got wrong and I didn't get a chance to fix. And so I think that's, that's comforting to know that, you know, that God, God loves me and God understands that I'm not, I'm not a perfect person and, um, you know, so that's yeah. that's mine anyway. And you already have eternal life. And I have it. You, it's already given. You didn't have to earn it. Yep. It's given yep. to exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's that, good. And news. that impacts the way you live today, right, Dior? I mean, how does that how does that knowledge impact the way you live? Yeah, this reminds me of where we started with the idea of love and love being present with us always and not having to earn God's love. Um, and eternal life being similar, that it's something that we already have. And you two already just made the, the connection between that, that eternal life and, and death being new life, being so deeply connected with love, that in some ways it's all the, the same question. And I believe that when we recognize that, that we have love in eternal life and we don't have to struggle to find that, we can move forward and uh, show the love that God called us to show. Because when Jesus was asked, well, which part of all this is the most important? He was very clear. It's to love God by loving your neighbors as you love yourself. And so loving is, the, is what we should be focused on, not earning love or earning eternal life, but loving. And so we can do that with confidence when we recognize that God is with us always and has already given us eternal life and love. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, and that was my conclusion as well, um, because I know that I have eternal life. I don't have to worry about eternal life. I can bless others with my days so I can bless my family. If I even if it's just by making dinner or something, I can. I can bless the people that I work with. I can bless the people who move through my day with me mm -hmm. um, and hopefully be kind and point the way to Christ, you know, as part of my day and moving with other people. And be kind to yourself when you get it wrong. Well, that's the, right? tough, that's the <laughs> tough part. You know, Dior, you just said, you know, love other people as yourself. I don't know. I, I struggle more with the loving yourself exactly. than I struggle with the loving other people part. Okay, so um, uh, thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us, Julie, Dior, Chris. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, uh, if you have um, some insight into any of these topics we've talked about, if you'd like to answer a question, we would absolutely love to hear what you have to say. Um, and you can um, put it in the comments wherever you're listening. If you're on Facebook, if you want to shoot us an email, We'd love to hear from you. This podcast is available to you on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on all kinds of uh, wonderful outlets. We would love 
to hear the stories of the people who are listening to us. Um, so if you would like to be a guest, we know it's a big ask and it's kind of a scary thing, but, um, and before we go, can I say to the Desert Spring community, on behalf of Potosi Pines Camping Ministry, I want to say thank you to uh, you and all that you do for camping. We have lots of wonderful adult volunteers and youth volunteers. A lot of our Counselors for Christ program, which is the year-long training program for camp counselors run by Potosi, is done uh, by Desert Spring Youth, and we are allowed to meet in your spaces, and they help our camping ministry in camp and here at your church and all over uh, and the your community in the way in which you support those youth and the ways in which you come up to camp and help and the ways in which you donate so that camp can happen and the ways in which you pray for us as we prepare for camp and as camp is happening. All of those add into exactly what we talked about today about recognizing God's love and sharing that with others. So on behalf of, of camp and the experiences I've gotten to have there, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Good, good, good final word. And you can get more uh, information about Potosi Pine Camp at potosipinescamp.org. Yes. Yes. Okay. Are we ready to close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your eternal love for each of us. We're so grateful that we don't have to earn it. We're so grateful that you have given your son so that we can spend eternity together. We thank you for that. We thank you for the insights of our guests today and for their words of blessing in our lives. May we know May our hearts be strangely warmed um, by the Holy Spirit and our knowledge that you love us for an eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. All right.